the data is killing your enjoyment of running, get rid of the data, you know, go and enjoy the running. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the 33 Fuel podcast. My name is Warren, I'll be your host for this show, and our guest today is running journalist par excellence, Kieran Alga. Now, if you're a runner, chances are you might be looking for an edge, an advantage, something to get you a little quicker, something to get over that injury, uh, something to inspire you, delight you, something to make your miles go by quicker, make them longer, whatever it may be. Well, Kieran is the man who has all of the answers for you because if there is a piece of running technology, equipment or gear in the last 10 years, he has tested it. He's put it through his miles, out on the trail, out on the road, out on the treadmill, wherever it may be, to bring the unvarnished truth to the world. So today on this episode, we are primarily going to be diving into Mr. Kieran Alger's crystal ball as he takes a gaze at where the future could be taking us in running technology and also sifts the great from the good from the bad in the latest things that are available to help you run on the market today. Um, as well as that, through his own hard yards at the coalface over many, many years, Kieran brings up a number of other brilliant subjects that I think you're going to really enjoy, um, including the subject of over-tracking. Technology's great, but don't go too far with it. Uh, you'll find out how to identify this and how to manage it if you suspect that you may have a problem. And as well as that, what about your running age? If you've ever wondered what that is and you want to calculate yours, Kieran's going to be breaking that one down for you as well. So look, absolutely tons to unpack over the next 60 minutes or so. We'll be getting into that any minute now, but before that, a quick word from our sponsors. Because if you are looking for the finest, the greatest, all natural sports nutrition out there, at great value, delivered directly to your door, of course, there is only one place you should ever be going, and that is 33fuel.com. So do make sure you get there, but not before you have enjoyed this show with Kieran Alger. Kieran Alger, thank you very much for coming to join me on the podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me on. It's nice to see you. You too. It's uh, It's been too long, but I, I think the world is getting a little more free. And uh, hopefully, who knows, we might actually even be able to go for a run soon. Yeah, we'll be able to sort of hang out. I mean, it's um, it's a long time since you arrived at my door clutching product to send me off to the Marathon de Saab back in 2015. Yeah, feels like we've been a lot through a lot since then. There's there's been a lot going on, and we've we've even had a uh, a brilliantly uh, long uh, catch up and preamble before all of this. So uh, so so warmed up. In fact, we needed a break before we got started, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so look, the um, I mean, with your your background in depth through through running and everything else that you you do you have quite the overview of the world of running and you know trends within the sport for the consumer especially with in terms of equipment tech advantages and all those other things so i wondered if you could rather than me absolutely murdering your cv missing <laughs> missing key points do you want to give us just uh, give everyone a quick overview of kind of your background what brings you to where you are today and, and, and where all the expertise sort of comes from in your in your background yeah, whistle stop tour. I mean, I was a footballer to start with, and I of course, as I always say this, but the thing that I, you know, running was the bit of football training that I absolutely hated. You know, I always say this when I come on. It's like when the when the when the trainer used to come out and say, "You can put the balls away tonight, lads." My heart used to sink. You know, all you're doing doggies up and down. And then I, you know, at some point in London, I I stopped playing football because it was it was it was basically looking at a ball going over in the sky in midfield on a Sunday morning. On Hackney Marshes, and I I did a a 10k around London. Uh, I think it was like the British 10k, or the Essex 10k. And I remember I ran past Big Ben. Sun was shining as the bell chimed. Lots of crowds, and I just thought this is a much better way to spend a Sunday morning than being kicked lumps out of on a football pitch somewhere. I came immediately back, signed up for a half marathon, which I did. Came back from the half marathon, signed up for a full marathon. At the same time, my journalism career had just started to dovetail. I was working for a magazine called T3, which is a consumer tech title, and the wearable technology kind of explosion was just starting to happen. I was the only person who really did running at the time, so they gave me all the wearables to test. So I'd go out and be testing the latest kind of um, garment or what have you, and it just dovetailed perfectly. I got the running habit in a big way, and that was probably about 10 years ago now, and since then, I sort of 
my my passion and my work and my you know my interests all collided and I've spent the last 10 years really delving right into everything from kind of wearable technology through fueling through kind of health and fitness where all these things kind of collide and as part of my job I now test everything from fueling products through to shorts and apparel trainers all those kind of things so I'm now basically have the really kind of enviable job of going out and running for a living <laughs> and then writing about how I find the products which is it's a very happy place to be but it's and I guess in the journey I've then you know went that that really sort of took me through all kinds of different things I essentially went looking for adventure so I do I've done about 43 marathons I've done a bunch of ultras and I put myself like most people who sort of find running they'll start to sort of look for, for bigger and different and more adventurous ways to kind of tick the boxes. So I've done many different ultras, many different challenges. And all the time, I'm always looking for the, the way to be the, you know, the best runner that I can be or get the most enjoyment out of being out there on the trails or on the roads that I can be. So my career now kind of reflects my hobby in, in a big way. And that means, yeah, I get to get to have this sort of wonderful overview of, of all the trends and, and look at what's good, what's working, what's what's coming down the line. Very, very nice place to be, which brings us amazingly to, um, I think we might call this Kieran Alger's crystal ball. Okay, so <laughs> where, where is the, let's do a bit, bit of future gazing here. What what are the big uh, trends or, or, or even the, the hits? And, and I'm always entertained with the misses um that where where you know someone has come up with brand new wonderful ideas and then then technology in the world very inconsiderately goes in a totally opposite direction um i'm thinking you know blu-ray disc of running whatever that may be um where do you see the the biggest developments coming that are going to help people get more out of their sport they're running enjoy it more what, what are the what are the key trends for you that are coming down the pipeline right now yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a big thing that people, there's an enormous kind of, um, I guess, exposure of people getting involved in mass participation events, you know, people going and doing lots of marathons and going out and doing and racing, basically week in, week out, getting onto that kind of tip. And I, one of the things, it's not necessarily a technological thing, but I definitely feel like more people uh, are moving to, you know, there's lots more people doing FKTs fast known times, lots more people just going out and finding adventure on a weekend on their own and setting their own goals and challenges that might be about, you know, being out for, for longer stints or whatever, rather than actually chasing finish lines. That's one of the areas that I think is, is big. And I guess over the years, we've all, most of us run with a running watch or some piece of running technology on our wrist. We're all kind of guilty of, perhaps over tracking um and again i can i can feel i get a sense of people will still continue to sort of do this still be looking at their sort of key data but also starting to understand that actually it's, it's sort of helpful to look beyond the data and get a nice balance between getting deep into your numbers when it's right but not obsessing about them too much and being able to sort of be free to run and enjoy and now i guess that 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 trend generally speaking those two things come together when you're talking about just going out and getting enjoyment out of the act of running or enjoyment you know good for mental health all of those things rather than it necessarily being about hitting a certain time or or reaching a certain finish line so that's one of the trends on the flip side of that though one of the things that i'm really fascinated about at the moment is going very deep into i've been sort of testing a piece of technology called um it's real-time blood glucose monitoring. So essentially what you're doing, it's a, it's a technology that was taken from, uh, it's actually created for type 1 diabetics to be able to monitor their blood sugar levels in real time so they know how to respond with a, you know, the correct amount of insulin and, and intake of fuel. But a couple of companies have taken this on and put it into the, the running fitness performance space. So there's a company called Super Sapiens and then there's um, another company called Levels. You're essentially wearing a small kind of skin-worn monitor on your arm and it's got wireless connectivity so you can tap your phone on it at any point and see what your current blood sugar levels are or blood glucose levels are now why are you, is that interesting you, you, you've been uh, you've been stroking your arm there are you wearing it now yeah i've not got it on now i've got one i've got one here which is going to go hey. on soon they're, they're quite expensive one i'm not going to lie so <laughs> 
Um, I don't I don't use it all the time, um, but I do use it to sort of maybe calibrate my thinking around what my diet might be or what I'm going to eat. And, you know, so there's two there's two moments here really you can look at with this. You can look at how you fuel for performance, and you can also look at how you're eating for your general lifestyle and health. Now, so for example, during a marathon, you'll be able to see, let's say I went out and I decided I was going to maybe get into fasted running. I can see what happens to my blood glucose levels on an early morning where I haven't eaten and how I feel in relation to what that kind of trajectory is like. I can see actually which kind of products might spike my blood sugar more than others as well in terms of fueling. I can see how if I'd go out and I've eaten before, I can see how my particular choice of breakfast might have affected my levels and then correlate that with how I feel when I'm actually running. So you've got to do both things. You have to, you have to actually feel, you know, be in, in touch with the physical feeling as well as looking at the data afterwards. But then what I'm really interested in as well is beyond this is just generally looking at how it affects my daily diet, my nutrition. So I can see which food specifically might affect me in what way. So both of us eat a bowl of porridge we might have different responses to that bowl of porridge it's really interesting to see what maybe spikes you more than other and what doesn't you know so it, it gives you an interesting insight into those things as well do you think i mean there, there are two points I, I really want to go into here and I, they are they are related so i think we'll start with the first one which is you mentioned over tracking and I wonder if you could sort of talk a little bit more about what, what you mean by that, the benefits and you know, the positives and the negatives. Overtracking suggests clearly that you've gone too far with it, but to, just tell us a bit more about that first. Yeah, so I think what I'm getting at with that is that, you know, if you if you find yourself becoming a little bit of a slave to the numbers, you know, you're, you're looking at how far and how fast um, you're obsessing about kind of heart rates and it's, you know, it becomes about the data rather than about the experience. And you're you're not really using the data in a positive way to work out, you know, to, to match up with how you felt when you're actually doing the activity. And it sort of starts to creep into it. So you're constantly worried about when you're out on the run, when you're out doing your thing, that you're looking at the watch too much or you're worrying about heart rate and you forget that you're actually out here to enjoy yourself. You know, at a certain level, we're not. You know, we're not winning Olympic gold, you know, <laughs> get to my age and it's like I'm 43, you know, those days are, are pretty much over. So I think it's it's nice to, to, to recognise when and how the data should be incorporated into your, your route and when you might be overstretching. So if you, if you have negative feelings about a run because you feel like you haven't run well based on the data, that's a... You know, and you find yourself having that repeated. That's that's not a great space to be. And in those moments, I think it's very helpful. I've I've challenged some of the watch brands to do it. I often will just put a sweatband or something over my watch, so I want to track, but I don't want to be able to see the numbers. And then I'll just go and run on feel. Um, and I think that's a really interesting process. I think you know, from time to time, you should almost just do that as a part of your natural kind of training cycle. Go out and have some runs once a week, once a month, or whatever, where you just don't look at the numbers and you run to see how it feels. Look at the numbers when you get back if you want to, but you know, in the moment you want to just be enjoying it. So I think there's there's definitely something about you know that feeling where we're all worried about whether or not we're being judged on Strava or we're or we're just basically trying to push perhaps a little bit harder than we need to when we're not going to be we're not elite athletes and you don't want to, to forget that we're doing this because it's supposed to be fun. And, and Strava does lend itself to that as well, because if you are uh, rewarded by its rewards, you only really get Strava rewards for going further or faster than you have done before. You get an extra little medal, you get this thing. And progress is great, but you make such a good point that you should be enjoying it. And you can also only absorb and benefit from the training you can recover from. So if you're constantly smashing it, you... you you can't always be at a PB pace like that would be totally unhealthy training. Yeah. I mean, it's the elites don't do it. I think there was a, uh, so is it Molly Seidel came, got the bronze in the women's marathon. I think it was bronze. Um, and I was looking at the stats, like 70% of her training is done much lower than 
than you would think. It's like easy pace, you know, very easy pace. There's only, there's a small amount of training that is done at that kind of race pace or 5k pace and faster, you know, so they're really using those top end sessions to, to, to sort of laser effect, but the rest of it is just actually out doing, you know, and I think it's very easy to feel like you've got to go out and smash every run. And I guess the watches and the apps do that. Another example of this is, I think is a really, it's become very popular is Peloton. I had the Peloton tread for a while and it only, you know, there's a leaderboard for people who don't know, there's a leaderboard on the side. So you're on the treadmill, you're running and you get basically points as you run for your kind of effort intensity, essentially. And, you know, you rise up the leaderboard during a session. Now, every time you jump on that treadmill, it's telling you, you need to run hard in order to go up that leaderboard. And I actually, you know, one of the bits of feedback in the review that I did was, that's fine, have those, but I want to see some other sessions where you reward me for staying in a lower heart rate zone. Or, you know, so actually, because that's actually harder, I think. I'm guilty of it. I always go out and you end up, you look down, I'm running at, you know, 150 beats per minute in the orange zone. I'm spending far too much time in that kind of no man's land. So, you know, reward me for actually being more conscientious. But isn't that one of the hardest things like for the amateur athletes anywhere? uh, And I think professionals, it's hard, but they have coaches forcing them to do it. Um, Your hard needs to be really hard, uh, but a lot less than we might think. And your slow needs to be a lot slower than you think. And the risk is we all end up in that no man's land in between where we're not really getting the top end benefit, but we're not getting the, the, the baseline endurance either. You make a great point there that a treadmill, you know, a connected app that rewarded you for actually getting that lower pace right would yeah. be brilliant because that's one of the biggest problems for runners looking to progress anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. And reward my balance. You know, I, I think there are, you know, there are brands and there are products, watches that are very, have become much better at helping you see your overall spread of training. So on some watches, it will break it down. It will show you in graphics whether or not you're spending too much time in that kind of no man's land and what your overall sort of week or month view is and that, that you're getting the right balance, that you're getting enough recovery. But it's still done. I think that's still done in a very sort of sort of sports science way. It's not done in a in a sort of kudos well done sort of way you know there's not that you know it's not get, giving you the dopamine hit of, <laughs> of a thumbs up when you get it right or you're not getting likes for getting that balance right but I think absolutely that's when you you run your best what's really interesting Warren as well I think this year whilst people have been locked away and not maybe not able to train in the same way many people are going out and hitting pbs all over the place because they've perhaps had more downtime there's a lesson in there i think for sure well i mean there's the the, the volume of your sleep your recovery your nutrition you know, your your prehab your rehab um i mean unbelievably for someone who has been through the mill on uh, achilles trouble more times than i care to mention i thought i knew every way to fix it um and the most recent time it, it raised its head i went through all of my usual tricks nothing worked i had to go back to the drawing board I found a whole new foam roller move that was agony that I'd never found before. Absolutely sorted. So, uh, yeah, there's plenty of new knowledge out there to be had. Um, which, on the subject of being able to track even more, you, you, these super sapiens levels, this live real-time blood glucose monitoring, on the one hand, it sounds like science fiction. On the other hand, it sounds like a really easy path to over-tracking. But similarly, I bet heart rate monitors felt like that in 1995. Do you think it's something that could become that simple and useful? And, and how have your experiences been with it beyond the, the intrigue of the new tech? I think it, I, I definitely think that heart rate monitor analogy is a good one. There's, there's some question marks from you know, scientists about how reliable it is. And actually, as a, as a non-diabetic, how useful it is the argument being that your body responds naturally to whatever you put in it anyway. So it doesn't really make any difference, but I actually think from my experience, it's one of the really interesting things that I hadn't quite expected. It makes me, it made me think about what I was eating. And I think there's a, there's a, it brought a connection to, to food that I didn't really necessarily 
have that much before and I think even as that's something that I've I have been thinking about for a long time but it was very different I think for somebody who may never have thought of food almost as an athlete or in that way you know with that kind of laser focus this is a real window into you having that sort of tangible sort of response you eat something you see what happens in your body and even if it's not a hundred percent accurate it's going to give you an indication and so you, are you if you if you follow some of these people on it's interesting to follow their feeds on social media or twitter you can see people having a wow moment that they've just eaten something that they thought was doing them doing one thing and actually it's had a different effect and i don't really want to necessarily use the word sort of healthy or unhealthy but you know someone put on there they'd had some sushi they hadn't expected to have a huge blood sugar spike after eating it but obviously there's quite a lot of white rice in sushi you know and so there's, there's, this there's a lot where of you... sugar in, in effectively the binding the the, the 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 sort of sesame sugar uh what do you call it the, the sort of oil that binds the rice yeah the, that's going straight in isn't it it's kind of main vein stuff but you wouldn't necessarily think that and you know, really interestingly, actually, though, I've saw I'd stood at the UTMB and I've, I've literally just connected these dots just now in my head. At the UTMB, I stood three in the morning in the in the halfway aid station and watched all the elites come in and what they did at their aid stations with their kind of support group laying out the tables. I can't remember the runner, but you know, lots of people put the usual stuff down. And then one table, one of the runners, it was literally just a plat. It was like a platter of sushi. And a few other bits and i'm thinking i was like that, that poor runner you know I'm like, <laughs> so everyone else has got all sorts of this there's just like a bit of sushi so now maybe that you know maybe that's the thing there's something in it you need fast energy to a certain extent maybe this that works for them they've worked this out and this would sort of show it but what, what i think the technology really does is just it gives you that kind of a, a window into what's happening that you haven't had before and i think in a world where it's very difficult to judge and trust on what you're being told and sold, you having that handle on it yourself, I think is gonna be really, really important, not just for people who want to run or ride fast. You know, I think for people who don't want to get type two diabetes. <laughs> you know, Which I think tool. is everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a powerful tool, you know, I think it's, and anything that connects, but again, it's got, it has its place and you have to use it I, I use it intermittently and I'll I'll use it to to test and, and see with things. You know, I don't I haven't let it rule my life. And I think that's a, that with it, with anything like this, there's a danger that you go too far and you, you you let the tech govern and it shouldn't. It's it's another layer stream of information for, from which you can make decisions about what you do. And and I think there's another element of this food tracking side. Um, it's something that I was first introduced to when uh, we were sort of uh, doing content and stuff around the idea of fasting, fasted runs, increase your fat burning ability, the, the many positive health benefits of fasting. And um, Renee McGregor, an amazing nutritionist, she got in touch with us and said, Look, all this stuff about fasting is great. But for a small proportion of people who are prone, whether they know it or otherwise, to eating disorders, fasting, a bit like exclusionary diets, veganism, whatever it may be, is a gateway a way to take control of your food and, and it, it become, can become very negative and hard to pull out of. And I think there's a similar risk with this if, if, and people should be aware of it, that if you are really tracking your moves with food that closely and you, there is possibly a darker motive there, then be very aware of that. But for the vast majority of people, it just sounds like a really interesting experiment. And I think you have to learn how you must have to, how did you find it? learning how to interpret the data because okay you have a blood sugar spike or you don't but what do you then infer from the fact you did or you didn't yeah and i think that's it so i've used this in two contexts as well the first time i used it i it was actually prior to super sapiens and levels producing an app that was more based at performance so i used it at a half marathon de Saab, and mm. i i used the freestyle libra sensor and i used the diabetic app so it wasn't, you know, you didn't get any of the sort of reference points. The new apps very much are, are channeling the data and presenting it in a way that's aimed at people who are looking at performance. So the first time I used it, I was sort of on my own, you know, just left to sort of work out what was going on. One one really interesting anecdote about how it, about what I discovered and how I interpreted, I would look at the spikes. I came back off the long day on the half MDS 
it was there was a windstorm it was chaos i'm in a one-man tent i couldn't light a fire i was busted up it was dark i crawled into the tent and i i felt kind of sick because i knew i'd sort of underfueled a bit but i i went to sleep and i i was i felt nauseous the entire night i couldn't quite and it, but it was that kind of nausea where you you don't want to eat if you know you know it's that which is always now I know it's a sign that that's when you absolutely should eat. <laughs> you know, you feel so sick that you can't, that you should. And um, I, in the morning I woke up and I looked at the data and I could see that my blood sugar levels were, were way, way low. So that told me the following day, it gave me, you know, it was a little heads up that that feeling now I recognize as being very, very low. And I had a hunch that I should eat, but now I definitely know that I should have eaten. So every time I I feel like that now I know to do something about it. So I've connected it with a feeling. Very important, you you doing that self-check, you know, to connect the data. The new apps, I guess they present information in a slightly more um, performance-friendly way, but you still are left to interpret. They won't make recommendations. And it's about kind of feeling your way. You have to do the science a little bit on yourself. So you might have to go through a process for a month. If you're thinking about one thing you might want to do is identify what should I eat before I go and do my run in the morning? You know, how's, how am I going to make, get the energy right and have that even energy, even blood sugar levels throughout my run, no crashes, no spikes. Now, you know, you, can, you basically just have to do the test. You have to do the science, go out, eat something, look at the data, cross-reference the data. It's not going to, it's not going to tell you, but that's, it's about kind of constructing those sort of experimental moments, really. Um, the other thing you, you can do is just whack it on for two weeks and eat freely, but make it, I would, my recommendation would be sort of even to take notes, you know, even have a little mental diary or a proper diary where you're sort of, if this is a real thing that you want to do performance to, to work out, how did you feel after you'd eaten that and you came back from the run? How did you feel halfway through your run? Um, if you had, a, if you felt like you bonked on the run, go back and look at the data, you know, and you can and start to sort of cross-reference. I, you know, again, I had that experience where I got that kind of empty leg feeling slightly wobbly on a run where I hadn't probably eaten enough. So it's a feeling that I'm kind of used to, but I was able to go back and look at the data. And again, sure as eggs is eggs, that my blood sugar levels had dropped. I ran through it very slowly and very sluggish and on the struggle bus, but eventually my body responded, released more, more sort of glycogen and they they returned and I could see that in the data though so you know again it's just it's, it's sort of adding a little layer to these real world feelings that you can start to go oh okay I now I now understand what I was feeling when that happened a little more so so with a it sounds like a, a key a key point of this which is really where you started with it and I, I loved your tip of a sweatband over the watch because I can imagine the fear most people have, like run without a watch. I mean, I remember when that was a thing, um, you know, and, and, and clearly before sports watches, it was very often a thing, but the sweatband, brilliant. But what, what I'm getting at here is that connection between you have to connect your individual experiences and the data. So sometimes you have to go data and sometimes you have to go human and you have to be able to cross the two. When you combine the two, you get more out of them. Is, is that the right sort of? sort of take absolutely. away there. yeah absolutely and yeah and there's, there's no replacement for how you you know you can't replace how you felt but it's great to have something that might give you an extra pointer as to why that might be or to cement it and say yes you were feeling like that <laughs> you know it's, it wasn't you weren't just being rubbish today you know this, <laughs> there's, a, there's a there's a reason that sort of six miles in you felt like bins you know it's um it, <laughs> And I, there's more and more of this stuff, you know, it goes beyond food as well. I think there's, you know, I tested out another product called Core. This is very, very deep and very, very performance. You know, it's probably not going to be for everyone, but it's a, 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 it's not a skin temperature. It's like a core body temperature monitor. So it doesn't measure skin temperature. It measures core body temperature. There's a, there's a, there's a big difference. You know, one of them is much more kind of valuable in, in terms of what's going on. Skin temperature, I think, can be, can be affected by other external factors but it gives you this other layer of heart rate. If you've gone out and run in incredible heat, yes, you know it's hot, so it's gonna be harder, but it gives you some concrete data to back it up. So what you're getting is there's lots of those devices just sort of layering in these kind of streams of information that, that 
give add context to things you know and I think that's that's very very helpful but I, I love the idea you know I sometimes I'll go out and little challenges like I'll go and see if can I can I run six miles how close can I get to run six miles without knowing if I've run six miles you know and it's there's these always little tests which are they're kind of fun to do you know and you'd be surprised after all the years of doing it if you've been running you're you're pretty good quite often at, at knowing distances at knowing what your heart rate is at, and the more you can do that I think the better uh, and that that sort of uh, <clears throat> it gamifies the the switch off as well you know how consistent yeah. can i be on my regular loop without looking at my watch um yeah. you know how how consistent can i be in my heart rate zones without looking at my watch so those are those are great little games a quick word from our sponsors the most excellent most wonderful most natural 33 fuel natural sports nutrition just remember when you're looking for the best possible nutrition products for your performance your health and your well-being get yourselves over to 33fuel.com and now let's get back to the show with this connectivity do you have any uh concerns or advice around the additional amount of uh, Bluetooth Wi-Fi that people are increasingly uh, absorbing themselves with, and, and in many cases attaching to their body, because obviously you you would go through a lot of this. Um, have, have you got any thoughts on that? Is that something you're comfortable with? Is there anything people should be aware of with it? In, in all honesty, it's not it's not something that I ever sort of consider. I'm you know I am. A... <laughs> I get, yeah, I, I, I'm sort of a paid up member of the, you know, I, te I test watches for a living. So, you know, in all honesty, I'm sometimes I'm out there with more Bluetooth than anybody. <laughs> I've, I've sometimes got three watches on. I'll have a chest strap. I've got, you know, four sensors. I've got foot pods. Like, well, no, you know, basically in 10 years time, because right? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Because <laughs> no, I, I I'm doing more of this than anyone. <laughs> no. there, there was an early, very early uh, sleep monitoring product uh really ahead of its time called a zeo um doesn't exist anymore and that involves strapping a pretty large bluetooth sensor to your head uh, uh overnight um and i believe it was it was down to the fact that it was, just, there, was there was some confusion over whether that was actually a good idea given the technology at the time which i think was part of the reason that it maybe didn't continue but the you know the vast proliferation of it since couldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. But I think maybe the other thing about that app, and I'd like to know this for me actually, because the problem with that app, um, and uh, I was interested to monitor my sleep and looking at it, I was investigating polyphasic sleep as a, just an experiment really. Looking at the time, I think for gains at the UTMB, because I figured I was going to need to sleep for twenty minutes at some point, and it just sort of all all went from there. Um, but this thing was such a pain to set up pair. Like it just stressed me out so much every night. It ruined my sleep on its own before I'd even got it on. Um, <laughs> how do you find that now with all these devices? Do you have a limit? I mean, are you so plugged in for want of a better word to them that like the setup, the, you know, the unboxing, the setup, the preparation, the pairing is all pretty seamless. Now, how is that experience now? And, and is it all sort of making your running better? I mean, you definitely get, you know, I've tested so many products that I definitely get quicker at doing the setup. I'm not going to lie. There are still products that come in that I'll, you know, you put aside, you go, well, that's a weekend job. <laughs> you know, when I've got time to sit down and do it. The really good products, though, now make it very simple. And then when we're testing something, that's sort of the first thing you look for. Is like, if it's, if it's, if I've had to get the manual out, I'm like, that's a bad mark straight away. I don't really care what data you're going to be sending me. I, I don't want to have to you know, get into all of that. And I, yeah, and ab absolutely, your point is a really valid one about the, this technology, particularly in and around your kind of sleep environment, it's no good if it's if it's stressing you and having a detrimental effect. You know, it goes back to the point about running. If you if the data is killing your enjoyment of running, get rid of the data, you know, go and enjoy the running. And I've used quite a lot of kind of sleep trackers. It's, yeah, it's, it's annoying. Sometimes you'll wake up and if, if something hasn't tracked your sleep in the morning, you start, you sort of start the day with, you know, oh, it's a bit frustrating because I haven't got that data. And particularly in my job, because I need the data to also to, to write, right? So there are some things that you go through the process. I've been out on runs 
where I've been trying to get a piece of data out of a watch and it hasn't recorded it on four different runs. I've been out like four times in the day and it's, it's, it's a nightmare. So yeah, you, you need to, you want stuff that's going to fit seem the best tech fits seamlessly in the background delivers you data without interruption and without affecting your overall enjoyment of whatever it is that you're doing or, or impacting what you're doing. Sleep tracking is a brilliant example of something where if you get too, too caught up in it, it will have a net. There's studies that show it will have a negative connotation. It'll actually negatively impact your sleep. I've got I actually use a mat that goes under the mattress that it, it it's worked perfectly for me. It tracks in the background. I don't really know it's there. I get, and in the morning I get some data. Is you know a, an approximation of what has actually happened. I never I never look at it in and particularly sort of see it as being 100% accurate. Um, I've also been using another product, which is I'm wearing at the moment, which is called an Aura Ring. It's lap, it, it tracks sleep and heart rate variability. But again, you can wear it. It sort of almost disappears in the background. You forget you're wearing it, and you can go and have a look at the data. Those are the things that I definitely prefer. Um, that's that's something that I, when I'm reviewing something in high marks, go to things that, that don't interrupt and don't frustrate and annoy. Needs needs to be simple and yeah, you're right. Adding value uh, without unnecessarily tripping you up with it. And it seems at the other end of the developments on, on the one hand, we have high tech taking us deeper and deeper into the world of sci-fi. Um, yet in terms of people's running, you, you're seeing a lot more people figuring out their own challenges, FKTs, fastest known times, rather than the big organized events, which, which feels like a move in the opposite direction to sort of embrace nature, you know, your own nature in terms of what you want to do, to embrace freedom, to do any challenge, to embrace the randomness of it all, rather than the very, by comparison, prescribed nature of a fixed event. It's this date, it's this long, it's, this is what's happening, these are the winning times, off you go. Yeah, I think there's a place for both of these things. And I think actually one of the, the FKT and the adventure sort of self-powered stuff maybe comes with uh, your your running age growing and your confidence and your your own sort of experience builds and i you know i, I definitely think for, for beginner runners there's absolutely a place that there's a comfort in knowing you're going to have aid stations where you you'll get you're given the, the things that you need to get around or you've got a got you've got a specific date in the calendar to work towards you might have friends and family there to to watch you but the crowds you've got all of that wrapped up you know it's a really nice safe place to go and enjoy your running it's why park runs so popular you know it's it's that community there's all of that there's a comfort to that but i particularly kind of through lockdown and i sort of discovered that i think for myself i when i go and race i feel a certain amount of pressure that comes with those that i don't find when i'm going to do something on my own so just to i you know and i've spoken to a lot of other runners about this where there's you're either, I'm always either chasing the person in front for no particular reason, because I don't know when they started, that I'm not necessarily fast, I'm not going to win anything, and I, or I'm feeling like the person behind me is chasing me. And on ultras, it creates this sort of feeling of constant need to progress at a certain pace to get to the aid stations. It's this constant forward motion feeling. And I don't get my head up enough and look around and enjoy what I'm doing. The number of times I've been out, you know, 40 miles deep into something, suffering a fair amount and thought I should come back and do this on my own over two days <laughs> enjoy enjoy being here you know and after a while you're thinking that in races you just go oh, actually I'll do that <laughs> <laughs> and there's and it's nice you know there's a liberation to it you if you don't you you still want to get from start to finish you're still running the same distance but you can stop on a log and enjoy the view and eat something and just go again when you want to. And there's, there's about sort of taking off that pressure I really have sort of fallen in love with. Now, FKTs, I guess, is a slightly different version of that way. You know, you're, you are chasing a time. But if you're smart, you'll just find an FKT that someone's gone really slow. <laughs> you know, we did, we did, I did one with a couple of mates back along and we knew the time we were able to run at a pace where we could stop for ice creams or whatever, you know, we'd stop for drinks and, um, and it was an enjoyable experience. And yeah, there's something nice and liberating about being able to have what you need in your pack 
and it's helped me to, to discover this feeling like I, I've now got it down where I can put pretty much everything I need to survive for a couple of days in a backpack on my back and I can run 70 miles over two days camp and I now know I can go anywhere as long as I can restock the food in my bag I can I can get up and run the next day I can go anywhere and it's a wonderful feeling and a very different one to doing the London Marathon different they're both you know I enjoy the London Marathon but they're different I can see more people during lockdown maybe had the chance to experience that because there were no races and I would totally recommend it if you've not done it, it doesn't have to be 40 miles it could be 10 but just go somewhere you know on your own and have that experience where you maybe slow down a bit maybe give yourself the permission to stop and enjoy the things that you're passing through that's that's you know that's me waxing lyrical about getting all philosophical in my running old age <laughs> it's it, it is the romance of it and and the beauty of it and on the one hand I, I love the point there that you know, a race does take away a lot of the admin and uncertainty, whether it's an, an ultra that's going to, you know, allow you to simply focus on running and nothing else and, and being in a wild landscape through a period of time, whether it's a, a fixed race, park run, London marathon, whatever you have that date, you have that accountability, but the freedom you talk about, that is the romance of running. And, and frankly, um, I, did not get into ultra marathons because I was so mad about the running. I was so mad about the experience and the adventure. The running was simply the gateway that took me there. And, and I think, you know, clearly we, we share a, a similar value around that. Um, but to your point about freedom there, I, I have a friend who uh, is in counterterrorism, And when he found out about ultra running, his first reaction was those people would be impossible to track. And unless of course you're, you're wearing a hundred devices, which obviously to our previous conversation, we all are. Um, but when you have a range on foot of a hundred miles over 48 hours, you could literally be anywhere. You don't have to follow roads, trains, go through any cameras. You don't have to use a credit card, anything like that. Um, clearly that would be a, a dodgy way to use the freedom of running, but the freedom that with a small pack on your back, you can just go wherever you like. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's good fun. You know, it's um, it's good fun, and you can. It's amazing some of the kit that you've I've got down to about the pack is about five and a half kilos. My one at the moment, and that includes a, a little sleeping mattress, a bivy sack. So it's like a, you know, basically a waterproof wrap for your sleeping bag, but you sleep up with your face under the stars. It has um, a really lightweight sleeping bag, and then whatever fuel. I would need but so for five and a half kilos it's runnable and you can yeah you can go anywhere you know as long as you're and then there's the whole wild camping thing you can pretty much drop and you know where, where you get tired wake up the next morning and go again and it's um i did it i did a, a loop around the isle of Wight in two days with a friend so 70 miles and we ran 40 got tired stopped slept woke up the next day and did the final 30 and it was just a really it felt like a holiday for two weeks just in two days so yeah it's um and again you don't even on that one though i did think we should probably have done this over seven days and we could have had a beer <laughs> so you you've mentioned something there that, that are, are really interesting the concept of running age now i have a rough idea what this might be the clues probably in the name but I, i'd far rather actually know for real um so i think it relates to a lot of the things that we've been talking about can you just sort of tell us a bit more about what that concept is yeah so as i kind of understand it i can't claim credit for it it's actually um it's sort of a thing that i came across in this book by richard asquith called running free now richard's kind of an old school runner but he's, it sort of talks about going through the process it's just kind of a riff off you know shakespeare's sort of seven ages of man where you sort of go through this different sort of an evolution of your kind of running where you, know, you start out and you're new to it and you're 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 concentrating on going fast and chasing times and about chasing PBs and, and being better and faster and in performance and improving it. And you'll, you'll almost ignore everything that's going on around you. And it's all about the running fast. So it's all about the watches and the data and all of those things. And it's sort of, as you go through this, maybe you then, you sort of, you'll, you'll hit, you've met at some point, you might hit your kind of peak where you've reached your kind of fastest time. And eventually, as you go through these ages and stages, your mind sort of opens up a little bit more. 
where it becomes less about chasing fast times and you realize that the real enjoyment of running perhaps is in looking at what's around you and moving more slowly through the terrain and through the things that you're looking at but it's obviously it's very much sort of tied into you almost have to have gone through these early stages first you know it's a metamorphosis it's not you can't necessarily easily leap from one to the other you know necessarily i mean you you can a bit but there's a sort of a natural progression and i and i think as you've as you've run more miles or you've done more races and you've tick the pb boxes you start to try and find something a little bit more out of your running you know life maybe gets a little more complicated you might be slightly older you might have a family you might not be able to go and do so much of of the or dedicate so much time to training in order to be as quick as you would like you know injuries all these things start to sort of play a, a role in, in you know in the change maybe how you think about the time that you have got to spend when you're going out to do it and then you look back and you think well was i enjoying all of those you know, really fast, you know, 10Ks that I had to run where I was trying to improve my marathon time and making myself feel sick or doing those kind of threshold interval sessions where you're doing 20 miles with a big block in the middle where you've got to run to her. Um, the answer is at the time, you probably weren't enjoying them. Afterwards, you may have done, you'll certainly have enjoyed maybe getting the time that you got in the marathon. And I still love doing that stuff. But I think as you, yeah, as you reach the, the, and I guess it doesn't, it's not an actual link to your age, but it's linked to how long you've been running, perhaps, that you, you start to look in these other, these other places. So your running experience starts to, starts to change what you want to get out of it. And I think there's an element as well that the, as you go through that process, the more comfortable you are with running, both physically and mentally, then the more you are able to look at the other things. There's a, a concept uh, I came across in motorcycle racing, which was the idea of any racer has $10 of attention. Now, if you think about someone learning, let's transpose it to cars, more people have that experience. You're learning to drive a car. Well, if, if you've got $10 of attention, $9.50 is being spent on like pulling away without stalling, which leaves you 50 cents for everything else you need to do. And that's the same when you start running. Your $10 of attention is really spent up on the process of doing it. But as your running age, uh, increases then the process of getting ready going out for a run being ready knowing your body's okay having the right things with you is kind of not even a dollar leaves you nine dollars to spend on the rest and that can really be the experience which comes back into what you were talking about more of those freestyle events pick your own route do your own thing yeah confidence you know you know you know that that pair of shorts is going to work for you that takes out some of the fear you know i can still remember my first the morning of my first marathon which was paris back in 2000 and nine i was in a room with a really experienced runner and he was just getting he's just doing his thing and i'm looking at him sort of saying are you gonna what what, what do i have to do like <laughs> you know where where do i put this what do I, I literally didn't have a clue about how this was going to go for the day and it's a very nervous it's quite an intense moment because you just have no clue what happens after three hours of running because i'd never gone that far you know i didn't know how we're going to start all, all these different things and yeah as you're right as you as you build up that knowledge, I now know where to put the Vaseline, you know, <laughs> or, or in fact, I don't use Vaseline. I've got, I've got another product, which I'd swear by, which, you know, I know, I know that my nipples won't chafe. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> um, you don't yeah, have to worry this... about not wearing a white shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to be, you know, you only, I think that's, a, that's one of those lessons that you learn very quickly. <laughs> once you do that once. <laughs> and, then, and then you don't do it again <laughs> but it's amazing right? but that's, and that's, and that's why i sort of meant you can't necessarily skip the process because you the part of the fun of it is discovering these things you know and about layering on the learning and and educating yourself to you know to, to work out to make those mistakes i guess you know you can shortcut some of them and it's interesting to take other people's knowledge and apply it so you don't make terrible mistakes but it's also it's also fun to go and have some of the discomfort and and come back and fix it and next time not to have it because you get all these positive kind of feedback loops when when you maybe you do the same distance or the same thing and you pass that moment that was difficult the time before and you cruise it and you're like like i've another example of this is and i i, I still blame you for this to this day is in the lavaredo which i've done <laughs> i'm going to bring it up so I've, <laughs> I've done it twice 
because we sat at a cafe and had a coffee after we'd done, I'd done the MDS. And you said to me, this is the most amazing race. You have to do it. It's beautiful. It's stunning. Like it's So I'm like, went and signed up for it almost immediately after you told me that. And then, and then I was halfway up the biggest climb in the Lavaredo, wanting someone to, to shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I failed. I didn't, I didn't complete it. Second year, I went back and I did it again. And there were so many things that I learned from the first race that every single aid station that I moved through, I, I did sort of the checks and I was like, this, I, I'm doing so much better and I feel so much better. It was just very, very positive to, to move through that process. I, I still didn't finish it though. So that's on you. <laughs> Next. I, I, I can only apologize, but it, it, it's beautiful. <laughs> and, and, you know, the last bit's in the dark anyway, unless you're professional. So you, you didn't miss any of the views. You, you're all right. Yeah. Yeah, but it's nice. It is. It was a nice, you know, and I will go back and complete it again. But it's, and I, I'll, when I do, it will be even better because I've had the struggle, you know, I think. Well, I, I, I had a similar, a similar journey with the UTMB before I, I completed that one and, and took some major, major lumps along the way. And one of the other things that I know we wanted to talk about was, was aid stations and you know how to handle them uh, how to work out what what you should be eating and and maybe this relates to running age too because I, I remember a very early one where an elite utmb runner the first time i went and ran it when i was blatantly a very very long way out of my depth um i asked him about nutrition and i at the time i knew like virtually nothing about it and he said, I just listen to my body. I give it what it needs. And I was in a hole at some point in the middle of the night in an aid station. I was like, okay, what does my body want? And my body said coffee and chocolate. So I ate coffee and chocolate and then I was sick. And it's like, well, clearly I don't know what my body wants yet. I'm not, I am not connected in this Zen-like way he was then between what my body thought it was, the signals it was giving out and what I then did for it. Um, obviously that comes with time. And, and I'd like to say, uh, Clearly, I've learned a lot more about nutrition since that particular time a long time ago. Um, but what, what, is, what is your take on that, you know, managing the age station experience in, in whatever race you may be in? Yeah, I've made terrible mistakes. You know, I've been, I've underfueled, <laughs> I've been horribly nauseous. It's the worst possible thing as well. I think of any feeling, give me all the fatigue you like, give me, you know, impact injuries, give me all of that stuff. But the minute my stomach goes, I, I slow right down and I'm in bits, mentally my game goes as well. That's the moment I want someone to spill me into a taxi and give me a cuddle. It's like, and you, again, you do learn, like you have to, you have to learn over time and you have to listen, you have to be able to tune in. And I, I, I find this a really fascinating thing because my early approach was very, almost sort of scientific. It's very much like I go with the watches and the data and I'm trying to work out what works i'm over prepared and i'm i overthink things i'll carry quite a lot of options in my backpack of fuel and then i'd go i'd run into an aid station and i'd see with quite a lot of technical food if you want to call it that and then i'd see these sort of french guys bust up to a table and maybe just eat salami and cheese or whatever they were eating and i'd be like i don't even know how they're doing that years later having been through a lot of processes i now have i now understand what they're doing I understand how they're eating. Partly I have enabled my body to be used to eating certain things when I run, but I'm smarter about fueling myself from a mixture of what's in my backpack and what's available on the aid station. So I've got, I've got this bedrock of things that I know work for me that are based on proper sort of guided kind of latest sort of scientific nutritional thinking about how much I should be eating and when, and then I've also got those moments like you discussed that when I go into an aid station and all of a sudden my body now says, I need this, I'm ready to adapt and pick up something else. And again, it's, you know, I'm, I'm all about these sort of com combined approaches where you have, you, you can swing, you can go, you can go to both, you've got both levers to pull because there are times you, you just don't expect it. Your body can feel different on some days where the things in your pack might not any longer do the trick and you need to go somewhere. Um, I, one thing I did that I ran the Thames path with two fellow runners. We did it in three days. It was like 190 miles in three days. We did 70 miles on day one. And then on day two, very hard to get going again. And I was in bits. 
I, for some reason, I went in, we stopped at cafes along the way and I, you know, this is not, I wouldn't recommend this for everyone, but I had a ham and cheese toasty. I just had to, I had a craving for it and a black coffee and it worked on that day. It worked. It did a combination of things, which it got me, it, it made me mentally feel good. It was a nice comfort thing to do. It kind of filled me up and it gave me energy. It was warm. You know, the coffee picked me up and I was able to, we weren't running very fast. We were moving quite slowly. So I was able just to sort of amble out of there and get moving again. It clearly gave me a punch of something that I was lacking in a big way. And it worked, you know, I would never have go back sort of six or seven years. There's no way I would have dreamed of putting that anywhere near my, my face during any kind of run, you know, but I knew that I knew that I could, I knew there was, you know, you approach it with the right way. I knew that it would do the trick. So yeah, my recommendation with all of this is, you know, it's trial and error obviously is what, you know, there's a main sort of tip, but be, be precise. I think in understanding what your, the quantities that your body might need to fuel with, have your go-tos, but also be ready to tune in and listen and get to know the signals from your body so that when the time comes, you, you're able to adapt and you are making good decisions. It's an interesting point you make there about the, the different food types and, and it, it so mirrors the journey that I had that I think a lot of people have gone through, but that actually became the stepping off point for what is now 33 Fuel was similar to you and as I, said, I, I was a journalist at the time and there weren't really many people who could run ultras and who were writing about them um and i was given a lot of a lot of nutrition products and had a lot of problems because standard nutrition problems products we know you know they don't really agree with your stomach you have all these things and but i thought it's what i was meant to do so you know i saw people eating seeds and nuts and stuff and I had these experience where i was like what are you doing a bit like your reaction with with the guys coming into the aid station but after chucking all this stuff away, I was like, okay, what do I like? And I went with cheese sandwiches and buttered malt loaf and water. And I went better than I ever had done on any sort of original sports nutrition product over distance. And at that point, I was like, I think this, there might be something in this food stuff. I think there's something to go there. But having that open mind to, um, you know, sports nutrition is your sports nutrition but your diet is also your sports nutrition therefore kind of everything you eat is fueling you on race day the thing you ate last week is going to improve or, or not improve your race the thing you eat in the moment is going to improve or improve but maybe the bridge too far and you may have found this at, at one of the Lavaredo um ultra trail aid stations they serve beer um <laughs> yeah which, which I, I, I definitely gave that one a miss. Apparently runners in the Tyrol area do like have a bit of beer for electrolytes. It's not uncommon there. Um, but if you're not used to it, I heard from another guy, a Dutch guy who'd never had beer when he ran normally. He said, yeah, absolutely ruined his race. His legs turned to rubber. So beer might be a step too far. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing that. I'm not inside. I, I did come upon those aid stations. I made it that far into the race. And at that point, the sight of beer just made me even more angry. Yeah. <laughs> <So I was laughs> <like, laughs> I think, I, I, and I think your point about that kind of one other thing that I think is really important that, and it's my totally my approach to to my my life actually, and my is that you know I think good nutrition shouldn't stop at the start line. You know, it's it doesn't it's not about you don't try and eat well to to be healthy and, and fuel your training and then get to the start line and then just put whatever you know whatever in I, I don't kind of agree with that i don't go with that i try and find um i guess a, a real food approach to to what i eat um and i think it's really interesting that I, there was a period of time when i looked at when i thought i knew better than some of those you know gnarly looking mountain runners who were eating those foods because i i had the special new product that they hadn't they didn't have so I was going to do better than them. And I've quickly realized that that's not necessarily the case. They're, they're, some of these products work at certain times. You know, I did good. I ran the MDS fueled on various different things. You know, one of them was a 33 fuel shake. The other was a product called UCAN, which is it's kind of a slow release um, sort of liquid fuel powder, which isn't particularly kind of natural, real food, food in any way. 
And the combination of those two things at that time kind of worked with me, but it was it was also with the premise of trying to retain this kind of even blood sugar levels, energy levels, you know, trying to be a, and that's one of the things that UCAN does. It has this kind of consistent, but it, it's, it's about kind of that, that balance is my, is my approach. You want to have things that just make you feel the energy is there when you need it. And interestingly, just enjoy it. You know, there's nothing better than getting to reaching into your bag for something that when you're really feeling like you need that hit of fuel that you go, yeah, actually, I'm going to really enjoy cracking that down and taking a walk up this big mountain. There's nothing worse than, than pouring something into a bottle and thinking, Christ, have I got to, I've got to drink that? Otherwise, I'm not going to get anywhere, you know. So, yeah, I, that's my, like you said, things, you've got to look for things that you, you like and enjoy, for sure. And, and I guess that, that comes back to, it's part of that aid station thing, that, that, that listen to your body. Everything you were saying earlier about the, the over-tracking, the stepping away, the matching it. You, you need to be listening to your body and starting to understand those, whether it be hunger, exhaustion, desire for certain foods, fatigue. You need to be able to gradually, and as your running age increases, you'll get even better at doing it. The more conscious you are of it, the better you get at doing it. But that, that skill sounds like it underpins everything, and, and it has certainly been a, a key driver and motivator for you. Yeah, and then I'd take it back, right back to the blood glucose monitor because I, and back to that being in the tent, feeling sick at four in the morning at the half MDS, not being able to eat. I now know that that's a feeling. I was having the opposite sensation. My brain is telling me don't eat. What my body actually needed was to eat. I now recognize that feeling and I can tune into it. And, the, you know, the, the technology has helped me get to that point. So any any ways that you can find to kind of decode what your body is telling you in that way and then you've tried and tested it's brilliant because things will go wrong and you're not going to feel good all the time but knowing how to respond is is just infinitely better than not <laughs> you know <laughs> okay so nothing worse than being stuck not knowing how to get rid of that horrible feeling of nausea or whatever it is that's not happening for you when you've got 40 miles still to run and so for people who want uh more as they all should of uh more kieran alger in their life more of your wisdom and, and more of your uh, you know whether it be your reviews your tech i mean i know you're across so many different outlets these days but you also have your own channels too so where, where are the best places for people to be connecting with you yeah so one of the best places will be on youtube so we've got a youtube channel called the run testers there's four runners who are testing all kinds of kit giving four different runners view on everything so you know, it's interesting because not everything works very well, so you get a good kind of sort of total kind of view on, on what we do. I'm also on Instagram at manbmiles, and you'll probably come across me if you search for best this, that, and the other in running, like headphones, <laughs> search for best <laughs> headphones, best gels, best best running shoes, any of the other stuff. At some point on the, in the Google results, you'll find something written by me. <laughs> <laughs> and just as a, an aside there, one of the rare things that I love about the run testers and I think it's possibly one of the reasons that we've connected strongly over the years is you genuinely have a and the team a strong sense of you know actually truthfully telling your experiences rather than being clouded whether it be by a PR obligation or you know, anything else like that um, there's a, a real championing of the independence there but it's never this preachy righteousness about it you know it's great content but it comes from the heart and you're saying what you, you're saying it as you you found it and that isn't everywhere these days particularly across many social channels it's a rare thing and i think that that sort of level of trust that you can give people is is, is really high quality so i do applaud that yeah thanks thanks that's something that we've definitely tried to build in a lot and it's something that you know, it's brilliant that there's four of us because we don't always agree. So we can still be ourselves, you know, one shoe that works for, for Nick, my fellow run tester might not work for me, um, but we'll definitely aim to, to, we're trying to help people find stuff that they can use and improve their running. So you know, that's basically our mission is to, we, we enjoy it. We've been through the experience. We get to try this kit. So we're just trying to pass on some of that, that knowledge. So they're making good decisions. And with a combined running age between the four of you of what, 120, um, there's there's oodles of wisdom to go there. 
Exactly. Let's. We're not going to catch. We're not. I, I think I'm given the heaviest load of all of that. But <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the age, probably more than the experience. For. <laughs> oh. Well, Kieran, look, thank you so much for for taking the time out to share all of that brilliant knowledge and um, for coming on the show. Great to see you again. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure to chat. Kieran Alga, ladies and gentlemen, give that man a great big hand. Uh, Hope you enjoyed that one. All of the relevant links will be in the show notes below. And all that's left to say from me is do not forget that when you want the finest natural sports nutrition in the world, do get yourself over to 33fuel.com. Thank you so much for joining me on this show today, and I look forward to your company very much on the next one.